Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. We went into July 1st with a lot of hope because our foundation was two of the top five players in the world being on our roster and LeBron and Anthony Davis. So um, we gave it our best shot to add a third star. And I'm so proud of the work that, you know, Jeannie Buss led and that we did. Um, But once that decision was made, we quickly went to um, the other route that we had envisioned, which is filling out our roster with depth. Starting July 1st, we didn't put all of our eggs in the third star basket. We had done a lot of planning with agents and players and their representatives that to be prepared once that decision was made to strike. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, in spite of Team USA basketball play ramping up and the full NBA schedule release giving us some much-needed new content to nibble on, when it comes to any actual substantial basketball content, unfortunately, we're all still stuck in peak 45-second Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter video season, analyzing whether or not Anthony Davis has switched up his unibrow hair pluck technique since becoming a Laker, and stressing about whether the fourth golden curl from the back of Kyle Kuzma's head is affecting the arc on his jump shot, as well as his ability to properly complement his former teammates without indirectly throwing some shade their way. But such is the nature of mid-August in the NBA. But we are here as the Lakers Legacy Podcast to help with all that, and we'll continue to try our best to make the meantime meaningful. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and while I know that the full NBA schedule just got released this week, and we've still got the riveting Will Kalkuzma be given a Team USA red, white, and blue rose bachelorette, bachelor saga to monitor, we are going to be saving our discussions on those two topics for a future summer episode and give you some good old-fashioned counter-programming tonight. And fortunately for you guys, I won't be alone in doing so, because with me tonight to dissect the unique nostril flare technique that LeBron James has adopted on the set of Space Jam 2 is my guest host of the night, host of the Late Night Lake Show podcast, his second go-around on the Lakers Legacy podcast, Mr. Ricky Barnes. Ricky, how's it going? I'm good, man. It's always... I'm in awe to watch you do this or listen to you do this intro. You're you're pretty smooth with it. Yeah, I'm all good. It's uh we're definitely in the um players going on spiritual retreats and they post on Instagram how enlightened they've become. That's my favorite part of the offseason, just watching every NBA player become woke now that they've <laughs> signed a twenty five million dollar contract. But yeah, thanks for having me on. Good to be back. 
No, absolutely. Speaking of that, what insane highly edited video snippets have you been watching this offseason to keep from Lakers and NBA dehydration outside of the woke Kanye West-like videos that you're referencing? (laughs) Yeah, right. So I'm mostly just watching Anthony Davis defensive highlight videos like AD is definitely bringing peace to my spirit because as a former undersized big man, I it pains me to watch the Lakers post defense over these uh, few <laughs> years and uh, to know that we have a true lockdown, you know, uh, defender in Anthony Davis in the post. Just watching him swat the ball all over the place is really just giving me the serenity that I need for the offseason. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm consuming. What about you? Oh, you're going to the YouTube videos of like past season highlights. Where do you stand in terms of the IG, Twitter workout videos of the summer where they're in open gyms playing scrimmages with these other dudes and you see AD out there in transition dribbling the ball and pulling up for three or taking these step back three point shots. Do you prescribe to any of those videos? I mean, they're nice content to look at, right? (laughs) But if anything, I'd be just as cool with watching AD have his feet up on the beach. He's a he's a he's a really, really big human being to be doing, uh, you know, step back three pointers in the summer so you know just praying for peace and health for anthony davis this offseason but yeah any any good content of having them having a good time i'm all for i mean we saw tom brady almost uh have a wild event jumping off a cliff recently so i'm a little i'm all good with my (laughs) athletes you know absolutely chilling in the offseason as long as i know that they don't have a weight issue going into the regular season but that is exactly smack dab where we're at this offseason not gonna knock those who (laughs) dissect every second of those videos but uh teach their own yeah yeah but please god let's let's fast forward to training camp ricky once again thanks for hopping on the show quick summary for the folks who are listening tonight we're going to catch up on some Lakers talk, more impressions on the offseason, maybe some new tidbits that's that's going around Lakers land. And then our main segment tonight, we're going to be focusing on Mr. Rob Palinka, how we feel about him now after a full offseason unshackled by Magic Johnson, whether the Kawhi Leonard strikeout shifts things a little bit back into a negative space for Mr. Palinka, or whether the tides are beginning to turn on Mr. Two-Faced, Chris Traeger, Snake Man, Harvey Dent himself. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what we'll mainly get into. But before we do, as usual, please follow us on Twitter, at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes, because the more you rate and review us, that's how many times we'll hear yet another random Clippers heckler yell out, This a Lakers hood! Anytime mm-hmm. Paul George or Kawhi Leonard have to address a Clippers crowd, because... Let's go, Clippers. Mr. Daryl ain't got nothing on relentlessly annoying and petty Lakers Nation. Ain't that right, Ricky? You hate to see it, but you really don't. You really don't, you know? Uh, So please give us a five-star rating and review for more pro-Lakers hecklers at these Clippers-centric rallies. Uh, Also, if you'd like to help us out in any small way financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash thelakerslegacypodcast. You can donate a buck or two, and that'll help us out a lot. Um, Our listeners this summer have enjoyed early listens to a lot of our episodes, including ones featuring some pretty awesome and insightful guests, including maybe this one you're hearing right now with uh, Mr. R.B., so yeah, please consider donating to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. 
Uh, Ricky, I got an icebreaker for us because it is summertime and we got the time to talk about whatever we want to. Um, but this offseason, I have introduced a new segment on this podcast. It's called Double Foul. It's a new game that I've created. Okay. And uh, it's one that a lot of people are familiar with. I'm just kind of rebranding it and calling it Double Foul. Mm-hmm. And true to the term, a double foul in the NBA is an unnecessary and unlikable call that gives you two outcomes that simply leave you annoyed and bothered, but one of which you must accept. So essentially, it's a Lakers-centric would-you-rather featuring worst-case scenarios. <laughs> I like so, it. So you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. And it's going to tug at your heartstrings a little bit, but that's the point of the game. Mm-hmm. Double foul, Lakers edition. In the event that one of these two coaches is able to somehow bring their teams up to a level that warrants a Coach of the Year nomination, who would you rather have win Coach of the Year next year? Foul one. Former Laker, former Lakers head coach Luke Walton, now of the Sacramento Kings. Or, foul two. Alvin Gentry, head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans and head coach of the ex-Lakers Young core. Which which poison pill are you swallowing out of those two? 100% Alvin Gentry winning coach of the year. I would be so for that. Listen, I have no ill will against the New Orleans Pelicans or uh, David Griffin or any of our young core. It's just the price that we had to pay. Business is business. Those are business transactions. Alvin Gentry's been in the league way longer than the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> like as a franchise. <laughs> so, um, but if Luke Walton won coach of the year, uh, that would mean probably a few things, right, Jonathan? First of all, um, it would mean somehow the Sacramento Kings snuck into a playoff spot, <laughs> right? And then two, right. it would mean De'Aaron Fox uh, is probably taking another leap in his uh, young career and is probably separating himself from Lonzo Ball in the grand scheme of things. I'm really a Lonzo Ball fan. I like De'Aaron sure. Fox, but, you know, I would hate to see all those Lonzo haters since the NCAA tournament feel vindicated after all of this. So definitely I'm taking Alvin. What about you? Well, let me tell you the downside of your choice. And as much as we love to back the young guys, in this scenario, if Alvin Gentry somehow wins Coach of the Year with the Pelicans, one, that means, as Lakers fans... We probably, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that we got a worse record than them because, you know, they they contextualize that award sometimes. But what if the Lakers actually finish below the New Orleans Pelicans? And that's why Alvin Gentry has that Coach of the Year award. And in that scenario and case, we kind of have to swallow our pride, even though we just got Anthony Davis, to see our dudes in a better situation, loving life, living, laughing, and loving with Alvin Gentry. And even though... Obviously, we want what's best for them, and we've been rooting for them. It's going to be still a tough pill to swallow, you know, to be like, oh, did we do the wrong thing, actually? Like I mentioned, I want to see Zoe B.I. Hart succeed, but but not over us, mm. and not so soon. I think I can stomach Luke proving some doubters wrong and being able to grow as a coach, unshackled by, you know, the domineering force that was LeBron and Magic Johnson. And I can even see him succeed with guys like Fox and Heald, who I like, but otherwise I'm pretty indifferent to. I don't have that connection to them. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, oh, good for you guys. But with Zoe, B.I., and Hart, even though I want to see them succeed, it's still going to suck to be like, it's kind of like the one that got away, almost. Yeah. Yeah, but if Luke Walton, if Luke Walton figures out his rotations 
in Sacramento, I'm gonna be a little sick. Okay, like that pain. Well, you know me. why? <laughs> but that was even before LeBron. You know, we were trying to figure out why Luke had some of the lineups that he had in the game at times. Like uh, that's fair. like his frat, him and his frat bros. You know what? This is not the Luke Walton episode. I need to <laughs> lock that away. Let Let's continue. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, but I mean, like both sides, you kind of have a sour taste in your mouth, right? And that's the point of this game. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people probably side with you to just say, hey, Alvin Gentry, Pelicans, Zoe, B.I., Hart, go off, regardless of what it means for the Lakers. But yeah, for, you know, for whatever reason, I pick Luke here. I just I, I don't want to see us have that regret, that taste of regret so soon. You know what I mean? I think that's where I'm lying with my Luke, my Luke pick where I, I can I can live with. Luke Walton succeeding as a coach because I did like Luke Walton. I didn't understand his rotations at times, but I did understand the tough situation he was in having to all of a sudden 180 shift into, you know, having to deal with a contending team and deal with LeBron James, Magic Johnson, all the baggage that that kind of all that baggage that he had to deal Mm -hmm. with. I don't think there's any right answer. All I know is you kind of leave kind of feeling a little bit icky. This game makes me feel like I'm arguing with myself because as soon as you start making your point, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I can probably, you know, (laughs) retort back to whatever (laughs) I just said five minutes ago. So, yeah, uh, I like this. This isn't too bad of a double foul because either way, either choice you pick, it's like, oh, I'm happy for Luke. You know, he he grew up as a coach or, oh, I'm happy for the young guys. They were really able to excel even though they were mismanaged last year. So maybe you can look at it on the bright side. The Lakers can succeed with both of those double fouls actually coming to fruition. They can still be the number one seed and, you know, Alvin Gentry win it with the Pelicans doing well. So, yeah. Actually, maybe you've convinced me. Let's go with Alvin Gentry somehow winning coach of the year with the Pelicans. (laughs) There you go. With that said, let's uh, pitch it to our sponsors really quick. And when we come back, before we get into the Rob Palenka stuff, let's just go through some Lakers news. Let's talk about Anthony Davis and his Chicago Chi-Town comments. And uh, yeah, we'll see what else we can get into. But first, a word from our sponsors. All right, we are back. Ricky, you are from Chi-Town, fighting the good fight as a Lakers fan. So, you know, it would be remiss of me if I didn't ask you how you feel about Anthony Davis on a one-year deal saying things like Chicago is the mecca of basketball and that he'd love to play for his hometown one day. Why or why not should Lakers fans be quaking in their boots about that comment? And are you concerned about how non-committal up front he's been to the Lakers thus far? Yeah, so when it comes to the Chicago Bulls, like the Lakers, they're a franchise built on their history and like the Lakers had been doing until this new regime kind of took over, um, they rested on kind of like the glory days. The Bulls haven't been much of anything as an organization, right, as a whole, since Derrick Rose started tearing his knee up. Um, as unfortunate as that was, those teams were all homegrown. Not a lot of superstars come to Chicago in their prime. The closest taste they got to that, we all remember the uh, the rumor of Rick Buecher reporting that LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh were all going to the Bulls and that it was a done deal. And it, it, it wasn't. 
And that's that's the history of kind of the recent memory of the Chicago Bulls. So when Anthony Davis says stuff like, you know, Chicago's the mecca of basketball. Yeah, Chicago is definitely one of the hubs in America where some of the best hoopers come out of. Right. And pretty much the state of Illinois as a whole. I mean, Andre Ingadala, uh, Sean Livingston, they're from the middle of the map. So when he talks about uh, Chicago, he's referencing the you know, the great history that the state has had in breeding top notch NBA players. Now, to say that he was um, he was speaking to Casey Johnson in that interview, a uh, Bulls mm-hmm. uh, reporter, and he was saying that at a Bulls fundraising. Oh, excuse me. He was saying that is a Chicago uh, youth fundraising event. It would be a little, you know, disrespectful eh, if you're right. you're around all the kiddos and you're having an interview and you said no i probably probably coming back isn't really my my thing uh, i love i love chicago but you know y'all have a really dysfunctional front office so uh but no all, <laughs> all jokes aside i think andy davis respects chicago roots and chicago basketball and he was paying homage to everything that it stands for and he didn't want to come off disrespectful but he doesn't force his way and put his reputation on the line like he did in new orleans to say i'm only only right going to the lakers if that was the case he could have made his you know force his way to chicago right sure but he didn't and he is continuing on with the to answer your second point in the question so he is continuing on with the stance that he's going into free agency because that's what him and Rich Paul decided that they were going to do even when he was still with the Pelicans. He has to continue that notion to not seem like he is, you know, going back on his word and changing what he said, like some other Los Angeles athletes right now. (laughs) But I digress. I digress. How did it land for you out there in Cali? You know, I was never too worried about it. And also just for entertainment purposes sake. And, you know, it is Hollywood. Why not keep the intrigue up? At the same time, given what's happened this last offseason and this last summer, I would be it would be wrong of me to totally dismiss the notion that things can't change in the next year, even though what I'd probably put it at 97 percent that he's still going to remain a Laker. But as we've seen with all these superstars changing teams and changing minds, you never know what could happen in the span of a year. What if, God forbid, I'm knock on wood, cross fingers, etc. What if LeBron James goes down with an Achilles injury? Ooh. I, I mean, Ouch. obviously Anthony Davis is in a great position regardless because he's in Los Angeles. But what if that happens? Or even, you know, we've seen Chris Paul and James Harden in those commercials, buddy buddying it up all over the place. Who would have thought that a year from that they'd be spatting with one another, and James Harden would pretty much be rolling out the red carpet for Chris Paul to leave Houston. Yeah, Things can change. Relationships can get splintered. And what if that happens with LeBron James and Anthony Davis? And the first hints that we get of Anthony Davis maybe thinking of leaving is him dissolving his relationship with Clutch. I mean, that's when you can kind of go full panic. Right. (laughs) So I'm not totally going to dismiss that that worst case, darkest timeline scenario could exist. But it's very slim right now, especially with, you know, the honeymoon phase that we're in and just how close Anthony Davis and LeBron James are clutch pretty much manufacturing. Yeah, just manufacturing this marriage between the Lakers and LeBron, KCP, Anthony Davis. I'm so sad that I have to add KCP in that, but I do. Um, so 
All that considered, while I maintain the stance that there is a possibility that things could change, I'm not too worried right now. I will say the recency bias of what happened this offseason kind of makes me a little nervous just because I don't think we've ever seen this amount of superstars shifting and quote-unquote millennial generation of superstar players. I think Bill Simmons has called it, you know, the Tinder swipe left or swipe nah. right generation, right? Where we, we kind of can't make up our minds, right? So I wouldn't put put it past Anthony Davis to, in a year, be like, all right, that was cool, but uh, maybe I do want to go back to Chicago or for my own team with a superstar who's not aging. Anything could happen. Can I say one thing? Yeah. Guys, just... Lakers Legacy Podcast fans, it's summertime. Just relax, please. We have not, we are window of having chill mode in the NBA season gets smaller and smaller every off season. You have to hold on <laughs> to your month and a half, two months of not worrying about if your superstar is going to leave you or you're going to be one big anxiety attack for 12 months straight. Just relax. Enjoy the off season. Absolutely. Gar and Pax are still in Chicago. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. Very good point. Thanks for being the voice of reason. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that all of our listeners are not too worried. For anybody that stumbles on this podcast who, for some reason, may be concerned with the way that the media is, uh, you know, blowing things out of proportion, don't worry. And also, if we want to throw the Clippers angle into things, like if we're just thinking about things on a narrative level. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine Anthony Davis? How do you think it's going to look for him that in the current quote-unquote battle of LA with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, that he's the first superstar out of these four, out of these three to bow out of Los Angeles? Peace. One and done. (laughs) You don't think this guy, these guys are thinking about how that's going to look for the rest of their career, that he couldn't hack LA just like Dwight Howard? Obviously, he's not the next Dwight Howard because he's so much more skilled than Dwight Howard, but that's what the narrative is going to be if he's up and leaves Los Angeles. You know, Lakers fans are going to be like, man, this fool's Dwight Howard all over again. He couldn't hack it here. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, just thinking about that should give you confidence that pretty sure he's going to want to stay in Los Angeles and not be the first out of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and LeBron James to up and leave. So Exactly. Good point. All right. With that said, my last question to you before we get into some Rob Palenka stuff is... I mean, you know, Lakers free agency signings this offseason, they rebounded fairly well, and that'll tie into, you know, our discussion on Rob Palenka. But my question for you, Ricky, is out of all the free agent signings that the Lakers have made this offseason, who are you most intrigued by? Oh, I mean, for me, this one's not close because he has a uh, soft spot in my heart because he's replacing a hole left in my heart. It's got to be DeMarcus Cousins. I mean... Mm-hmm. There was a time not too long ago where it was known that Boogie was the best big man in the game. I'd like his repertoire and skill set is at that time not heard of for his size and his aggression of how he played. You have your Achilles injury, your quad injury, and here you are, you know, vegan uh, DeMarcus Cousins, intermittent fasting DeMarcus Cousins, slim down boogie. I need Kato to see Cousins. right Cato Cousins. I need to see what slim down boogie nights looks like, right? And um I also want to see if he's going to play at that weight or how close is he going to play at the weight that he's at 
right now um, because we all know athletes, they like to slim down, you know, get some of that bulk off in the off season and then load back up. I just want to see, you know, what DeMarcus Cousins playing weights at and how his body's going to react to, uh, you know, a full 82 game season. And that's what he said he wants to play. Um, so to me, I think it's got to be the guy who has the potential to make the Lakers offseason transactions be like, oh, my God, wait a second. Just like how the Warriors were last season. Like, wait, wait, they signed DeMarcus Cousins, too. If Katie right. would have stayed healthy, it would have been unfair with that five rolling out against the Raptors. Right. I feel similarly with the rejuvenated uh, boogie playing alongside Anthony Davis. I've also been looking up those highlights. AD oh, yes. and boogie chemistry. Man, it's like twin towers, baby. They're the big kids in the play yard. They're just throwing it over the little third graders. Um, so, yeah, yep. I mean, I'm really excited for uh, Bully Ball to return to Los Angeles in the Staples Center. Um, so I'm going with DeMarcus Cousins. What about you? I 100 percent agree with you. I'm all in on seven foot key and peel. <laughs> yeah, yeah right <laughs> i mean those guys are so buddy buddy with each other i love it i love how much affection they have for one another and how that translates on the court lakers keenan and kel keenan and kel throwback nice yep good pull no but demarcus cousins i mean everybody knows i've been talking about him like pretty much every episode i've been a huge fan and, and believer of him even when he was with the sacramento kings and even in contrast to the Golden State Warriors, they got the worst version of him in this recovery stage. You know, we're, we're hopefully going to get the best version of DeMarcus Cousins coming out of this Achilles recovery. And I know he also had the thigh bruise. But, I mean, you have to think that for him, he, he had such a huge year coming up for him. I mean, Lakers notwithstanding, 2020 is a free agency period where there are no good free agents whatsoever. What do you think is going on in DeMarcus Cousins' mind? You have to think he has those big googly eyes and is saying, this is my last chance at getting, you know, $20 million contract. because And, it, and it's within reach. I just have to play marginally well because someone is going to pay me that because there's nobody out there this summer. And so even from that perspective, I'm hopeful that he's going to bring it. He's, he's going to be all in this season and he's going to be on his best behavior and even if we're getting, you know, 60, 70 percent DeMarcus Cousins, that's enough for us this year. And that's enough for DeMarcus Cousins to get the bag next year. So 100 percent agree. DeMarcus Cousins, if, if you could like concoct like a stopgap, quote unquote, pseudo third star for the Lakers to somehow stumble into or, or stumble upon, it would be DeMarcus Cousins. You know, the fact that we can kind of just swing for the fences here and there is a moderate chance that we could come up aces is pretty crazy to me. And, and there's that built-in chemistry, like you said, with Anthony Davis. You know, DeMarcus Cousins has always looked at the LeBron James, Rajon Rondo dynamic as well. So 100% agree with you, DeMarcus Cousins. I will say, though, that the more I've watched him, the more I've seen some of his past tape and contextualizing his last season, Avery Bradley is somehow kind of uh, gaining some steam for me. Oh, yeah. I just like how scrappy he is, and I just tend to gravitate towards guys who immediately people kind of overreact to upon initial signing because I know a lot of Lakers fans are like what the heck he's getting paid four million dollars this guy stunk on the Clippers etc etc but you know looking back on his couple few years I'm just like he stunk one year in one situation it was with the Clippers yes it was his most recent year and a half or so but given the span of his resume and the span of his career more often than not he has been a very energetic physical and pesky defender and theoretically hypothetically 
if Avery Bradley is quote unquote himself or even you know 75% himself, he's kind of the perfect combo guard next to a LeBron James or Anthony Davis because he is that three and D amped up more versatile version of Mario Chalmers, you know? So, so Avery Bradley's slowly, slowly gaining steam for me. Yeah. The, the one thing I love real quick about uh, Avery Bradley is this is the type of player that you should be taking that flyer on, right? The player who had Absolutely. a really good uh, reputation for filling the needs that your team has been lacking for a while, right? A uh, perimeter defender. And he's gone through injuries and, you know, some um, issues from that, you know, with the little weight gain, stuff like that. Avery Bradley looks pretty slimmed down and looks a little motivated to me. Do we all just forget, like, you know, LeBron James, if nothing else, is one of the best leaders in the NBA and one of the best teammates in the league. I'm sure that these guys that are signing with the Lakers, they are 1000% in and locked in this mm-hmm. offseason to bring this franchise back to the top, especially with this rivalry with the Clippers. So Avery Bradley is a perfect example of a 28 year old athlete that has seen and proven himself in the league as a, you know, a valuable player has gone through some hardships and now has the opportunity to go right to playing on the big stage. He's not playing in Detroit anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's easy to stumble further down the rabbit hole when you're playing, you know, down in Orlando and no one's watching you. You're about to be playing for title hopes. This will be yep. our this will be the best Avery Bradley we hope we can see. If not, we don't know how many more stops he would have after this. Right. And 28 is usually the age when, and it's easy, easy to forget because when you look at Avery Bradley, you're like, isn't that guy like 34 or something? And then you're like, oh, he's only 28. It's because he's been in the league for so long. But 28 is usually when you hit your stride and hit your prime, right? It's just Avery Bradley's dealt with a couple knick-knack injuries the last two or three years, and he's still rebounding from that. Guess what? The dude lost 40 pounds. I didn't know he had 40 pounds to lose, but he lost it, according Hello, to him. Right. Um, but hey, look, this is a team with a lot of players who have something to prove this year. And you got to love that dynamic and that sort of mentality. And that goes for LeBron James as well. So um, one last follow-up question to this is, we talked about the, the new free agents that the Lakers have signed, but out of the guys that were retained outside of LeBron James, same question, who are you most intrigued by? So you kind of got a short list here. It's JaVale McGee, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, Alex Caruso, and Rajon Rondo. <laughs> I love that we took it down an octave for Rajon Rondo. My co-host, <laughs> uh, Danny, would really appreciate that. Um, if I had to pick anyone from that list, it's got to, I don't do ties, so I won't, I won't make it a tie. I'm going to do another big man. I want to see mm-hmm. JaVale McGee not dealing with pneumonia for 27 oh, yeah. games into the season. Like from what we saw... JaVale McGee, the starter with LeBron and other distributing players, Rajon Rondo in the lineup, looked like career season. He what uh what did our boy uh Palinka say? He changes the uh he didn't say dynamic geometry. the geometry of the game. And uh it's the truth. 
And unfortunately, he went down and dealt with that, uh, you know, respiratory, uh, you know, infection with the pneumonia. And he kind of didn't bounce fully back from that. But towards the end of the season, we saw a little bit of that JaVale that we saw in the beginning. So to see if Boogie stays healthy, right, JaVale with that second unit in a finite number of minutes, I think he can be explosive. I think he could be fun. I think he'd be free. You know, he Mm -hmm. won't have the pressure of I need to, you know, he's not going to be in there for lockdown minutes into the game. He's going to be in there to be JaVale McGee, just, you know, hopefully dialing down all the the extra JaVale McGee type stuff. (laughs) So um, right. Exactly. So I'm I'm going with big dog JaVale. I want to see him with that bench unit. And um, hopefully Alex Caruso is throwing him some lobs throughout the game. That was going to be my second one, uh, Mr. Caruso. But um, yeah, who are who are you most excited about for the uh, reruns? Well, first, JaVale, you know, his first month with the Lakers, he averaged 15.5 points, 7.5 rebounds, 3.3 blocks on 63% shooting. And then he kind of rebounded in the new year during that March month. Unfortunately, we were already out of it. But still, 14.6 points, 10 rebounds, 2.2 blocks. Overall, even with the pneumonia month or two, JaVale ended up having a career season at age 30. So, you put him in a, a more limited role where he knows exactly what he needs to do. You give him a little more security because he's got a two-year contract, and hopefully you get the best version of JaVale McGee like we saw in spurts last year. Uh, for me, you kind of mentioned it. It would be Alex Caruso, Mr. Big Balder brand himself. I think earlier on in the summer, I called him our version of Kirk Heinrich, like a more athletic Kirk Heinrich, and there, there's the Chi-Town connection again. <laughs> you know about Kirk Heinrich. Yeah. Um, and I know Lakers fans know about Kirk Heinrich. because we, we wanted him. Yeah, Captain Kirk. We wanted him on the team for like a good three or four years. It just never happened. But the more I've watched tape on Alex Caruso, the more he's reminded me of Jeremy Lin, actually, a more explosive Jeremy Lin, at least when it comes to like hammer dunks. I think Lin is a more relentless driver who knows how to absorb contact better. But who knows? We haven't seen Caruso for a full season yet. He may also have that in his arsenal. And, you know, given that 14, 20 game stretch he had the second half of last season, where he just looked like a solid, stable, you know, orchestrator of the offense out there who could also be a good off-ball cutter you know I mean I don't want to get too ahead of myself with Alex Caruso but all I'm looking for is a solid backup point guard in him you know and I think we can absolutely get that if politics don't get in the way if seniority doesn't rule the day and Frank Vogel is able to recognize that this scrappy dude with three strands of hair on his forehead (laughs) is really showing out (laughs) In practice, more than, uh, you know, Mr. 4D Connect 4 himself, Rajon Rondo. So we'll see. Hopefully he gets the minutes he deserves. Um, I will say, though, that what we saw last season was a small sample size. He still has a lot to prove for himself as well. So it starts in training camp. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what Alex Caruso can do. And given that the Lakers have assembled a roster of, we have a lot of combo guards who can kind of run a pick and roll, kind of play make. I think he really has an opportunity opportunity to stand out amongst the crowd. 
So we'll see. Alex Caruso out of uh, the, uh, what did you call it? The reruns, the Lakers reruns. Yeah, the reruns. I'm so happy that you uh, brought up the one point, and uh, I don't have to stay on it too long, about the uh, politics that uh, Mr. Vogel is going to have to deal with, uh, Frankie Smokes is going to have to put up with. You know, Rondo, is he's a, he's a returning veteran, you know, handpicked by Mr. LeBron James, right? And now also double handpicked by Anthony Davis, his former teammate, who, by the way, was his point guard when Anthony Davis had his most playoff success. So yep. I'm nervous for Alex Caruso because uh, he doesn't have the three-point shot that Quinn Cook has. Um, and I unfortunately think that the, the politics of um, Anthony Davis's preference plus LeBron's familiarity um, might squeeze him out. I'm hoping I'm wrong, right? If we're going off talent, we're going off opportunity, we're going on who deserves it. And every metric known to NBA mankind <laughs> says that Caruso is a more <laughs> valuable player on the court. Um, I just worry that, you know, to your point, the politics might outweigh too much. But yeah, Caruso's man, he's he's what you would want in a backup point guard. He's got a little bunnies to him. He's got a little hops, right? You know, now that he's been with the Lakers for a couple of years, been with the big league club. I hope he's with somebody, you know, working on his handles, his little, you know, handle package, um, his finishing package. Caruso can drive. You said off off yeah, ball, he like he can cut, he can be a low key undersized slasher, um, and you know, and get up there and finish. So it's opportunity in time. I also think there's going to be times throughout the year where Rondo is either hurt or suspended. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think Caruso will have his moments. He'll have his chances. He just has to capitalize when he has those gaps. And um, you know, we seen we seen both sides of that from Mr. Caruso. You know, there was times last year I went through some of my tweets, um, just thinking of my reactions to watching him play. And there was times I'm like, yo, my man's look like, you know, like a high schooler out there, but he's also <laughs> up there against Steph Curry or getting broken down by Bradley Beal. That'd be 85% of the league. So, you know, I think he needs to just, he needs more time on the court. I worry if that is there on this year's Lakers squad. But yeah, I love, I love Caruso. We'll, um, looking forward to see what he's uh, going to bring to the table this year. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't get that G League hangover that I think was ailing him last year when he got his first opportunities. Uh, to your point about Rajon Rondo, hey, if he's getting suspended for punching Patrick Beverly, I'm all for it. <laughs> right. With that said, I think <laughs> I think we'll end our second segment there and then move it on to our main segment of the night, Mr. Robert Palinka. So we'll pitch it over to our sponsors once again. And then when we return, we're going to be talking about potentially embracing the doctrine of the architect himself, Mr. Robert Palenka. Thank you for the background music. It was perfect. Uh, so yeah, sponsors first, and then we'll catch you guys after the turn. All right, everyone. So we're back. And to take you behind the curtain a little bit, we are going to add an addendum to this episode, a seven to eight minute addendum, because truth be told, the segment that you're about to hear between me and Ricky... Uh, that conversation happened before the Ryan West departure news came out. So because of that, we're just going to quickly take the next five to seven minutes to talk about our updated thoughts 
on Rob Palenka, the front office, in light of this recent news of Ryan West's exit, one of the most influential people up top for the last, you know, five to seven years. I actually am going to just kind of leave the floor open for Ricky to give his thoughts. If you want to hear my opinions on this subject, I kind of already gave them. You can go check out episode 255, The Start of a Westless Summer. Title kind of speaks for itself. But yeah, you know, before this news came out, you knew the Palenko vultures were waiting in the wings, waiting to pounce. And as soon as the news dropped, they used it as an opportunity to go for the kill and bring out the Palenka pitchforks. But Ricky, what are your thoughts on this exit? Do you place any blame on the front office? Does this now invalidate the segment we're about to enter into where we talk about the positive signs that we've begun to see from Rob Palenka? So yeah, your quick thoughts on the Ryan West departure and what you think that says about the front office or doesn't say. Yeah, so I I think first of all, right, Jonathan, you got to look at how um, the news broke and what uh, additional information came along with it. Uh, The the answer is not much as far as the extra context to Ryan West leaving. Um, He was with the organization for 10 years, right? And as the news started to break, Bill Orem, Adrian Wojnarowski, honestly, the most important um, piece of information from it is what I saw from Ramona Shelburne. Uh, she had tweeted out that Ryan West and the team decided to part ways in the last few days. Uh, his contract was up and they mutually agreed. He reached a ceiling with the team and his role he had been in. Like that's what she had gathered. And to me, that sounds like a man who had capped out on his potential at a company. Um, you can make the argument. Well, with talent like that of Ryan West, you make a position for him. I mean, they they did. They gave him a in a, uh, a promotion uh, back in. Um, geez, who was it? I forget the year. But the Kings tried uh, taking him away. 2015 is when the uh, the, the Kings tried stealing uh, Ryan West from the Lakers. So they promoted him. And now, you know, I, it seems like that's the end of the road. Um, I mean, I don't really know. Like you have a front office that has been living on shaky grounds the last, I don't know, since they got stepped through the door. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. I just look at it as they lost good talent, but at the same time, I'm not going to freak out in the middle of the summer about um, somebody choosing their own career path and choosing to um, move along with it. I will say one thing though, Jonathan, if he goes to the Clippers, I'm going to be a little annoyed. I'll just, I'll be real there. I'll be a little ticked off if he uh, left the Lakers organization and decided to go join his pops with the Clippers. Oh, of course. So, I mean, when I look at what we talked about and I listen back to our uh, wonderful conversation, I didn't realize how long we talked, man. Uh, But I don't I mean, it's always nice to get a different perspective when all you've heard has been one side in the uh the whole rob palinka front office uh saga that has been we took a step back in our conversation and we looked at it chronologically right and then looked at it uh, totality or looked at it in its totality excuse me and um it really netted out that a lot of the craziness stopped when magic left and rob kind of, you know, kept quiet like the rest of the Lakers front office. So I don't want to spoil too much of it, but I think it's a great conversation we had. No, I agree with you. And not only does this recent news not invalidate 
our upcoming conversation. I think it validates it pretty well because the whole theme of our next segment is us as Lakers fans overreacting to news that we don't know the full story to and us immediately pinning it on Rob Palenka, Linda Rambis, Kurt Rambis in the front office because they're easy targets. And as more and more of the details came out, as more of the truth came to light, we realized, oh, we didn't have the full scope of the story. We got the embellished, blown out of proportion story that the media was trying to sell us, aka the front office is toxic and Rob Palenka is the devil. (laughs) Whether it was Rob Palenka backstabbing magic, Rob Palenka being this devious, snaky fellow, him not knowing the Lakers cap books. It all ended up with a whimper and a, okay, fine, maybe it's not that bad. Right. And I think we're in another one of those situations where we don't have the full scope of the story. We don't have all the details. Everybody's freaking out. But what if Rob Palenka, Ryan West, and the rest of the front office have known this was in the works for a while? And they're just like, whoa, calm down, everybody. You don't know what's been going on. We've been prepping for this. So at the end of the day, I don't think it's a big deal. Some of the people that I saw in my timeline, I get it because if you had a a negative Rob Palenka slant going into this, I mean, those people have been kind of quiet this summer. Well, not quite initially, but they've, they've seen most of their hysterical outcries against Palenka sort of muted a bit by the truth. And if you had a specific negative slant against Palinka, this was your time and opportunity to come back out of the shadows and uh, let your voice be heard again. Right. And my biggest problem was people just throwing the baby out with the bathwater and totally ignoring the summer and off-season we had in which Rob Palinka proved himself to be competent. But that is, that is often the case when you have a negative slant against someone. You're going to stick with that angle and likely be unaware to your own severe extreme biases. And that's fine because I have my own slants too. And this is, I guess this is one of them. But from everything we've seen, it's, it's not that serious. Things are not falling apart. So anyways, I'll leave it right there, Ricky. Any last thoughts? Any final words? Yeah, no, that was that was a good recap. I think the one thing that stood out to me while you were talking is that we were in the eye of the storm during the season and during the uh, free agency period. News came out every single day, mostly bad stuff about the Lakers front office. Right. Um, It was very rare where we had a positive uh, nugget or story about Rob Palenka, Magic Johnson, Jeannie Buzz, all of them. Now that we've kind of moved and those wounds have healed a little bit, we have a new roster and news has kind of died down. When this blipped on the radar, to me, that's exactly what it was, a blip on the radar. And it's uh, it's pretty entertaining now to see the the uh, spikes in outrage, because before it was like someone having a heart attack. And now it's really just <laughs> Yep. And then we'll keep going on with our regularly scheduled program. And that's, hey, that's what a stable franchise does. Yes, they might lose talent, but it's not going to be the witch hunt, hopefully, like it's been the last year or so with our Lakers. Absolutely. And very well put, because we are now going to bring you back to your regularly scheduled programming. So here we go. Me and Ricky's conversation on Rob Palenka's last three months and where we stand with him now. All right, so we're back. Ricky, I'm sure you've seen the Christian Bale Batman trilogy. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there's that famous quote that Batman says at the end of The Dark Knight where he mentions, 
You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Well, mm-hmm. for Rob Palinka, it's been quite the opposite. You either die the villainous snake from all of Lakers' Twitter slander, or you live long enough to come out the other side as their lord and savior, Palinka's Christ. Palinka's Christ, oh my god. <laughs> Maybe we're not quite at that <laughs> level crazy. of enlightenment yet. But at the very least, Ricky, Palinka may be our Gandalf the White, bringing us out of a dark place that was muddled by the ambiguous presence of a magic man. Oh. So here we are. But let's backtrack it a little bit to the end of last season. Yeah. You know, spectacularly crashing and burning the way that it did. Magic Johnson dragging Palinka's name in the streets, throwing him under the proverbial bus, and then the Lakers' Twitter slander reaching excruciating levels of hysteria. Starting to sound like the Joker. (laughs) Um, So my first question to you is, back then, where did you stand on Palinka being painted as this snaky two-faced backstabber who was house of cardsing his way into caring more about maintaining power up top than maybe actually bettering the team? Yeah. So when all of that background story started leaking out of the Lakers front office of how they operated throughout the year and how Palinka was, you know, kind of slithering his way, you know, trying to get to the top and into Jeannie's ear, um, it it irked me. Right. Because. If we knew our roles and responsibilities at the time, I thought at least, and I think a lot of Lakers fans would agree, Magic Johnson was always going to be like, quote unquote, the mascot, the representative of the Lakers. And when they introduced themselves, when they took over, they talked about how lockstep they are and how in sync they are and all that stuff. And then you fast forward and you find out that, no, Rob actually was irritated by Magic not being in the office every day and was uh, getting blind CC'd and blind CC'ing Genie on communications. You know, you have no other choice but to think uh, negatively of the person doing that. That's not... That's not good. Right. 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 <laughs> it's not nice. But when I take a step back and I start to look at this from like end to end, how things developed, if Rob Palinka is the grinder, the absolute like spearhead, like go get it type a personality, not taking no for an answer. You know, I'm describing an agent, you know, Kobe said he would knock this out of the park. I would think that his personality would probably get a little bit irritated with, with magic, right? If he's a workaholic and he sees someone I'm not saying this, but if he sees someone kind of resting on their laurels of being Magic Johnson or just their name and not so much the actual work being put in, um, I, I can understand that. Right. I wouldn't I don't agree with how he went about it, but I can I completely get why that would bother him and his driven maniac pursuit of making the Lakers a contending team again. Um, so back then. I was uh I was a little irritated with them, but I I guess I kind of understand why he did what he did. <laughs> well, also, Ricky, if you remember the media coverage of all of that turmoil up top, 
it was very one-sided, and we weren't really sure whose story was being told here, whose quote-unquote truth was being told. And Magic Johnson mm-hmm. sure made it clear whose truth was being told. And, you know, the biggest thing that came out of that, all this talk about Rob Palenka backstabbing Magic, and the only evidence, like, honestly, you look through all the articles, the only evidence of that is Rob Palenka apparently saying, where's Magic? And we don't even know the tone with which he said it in. So you can't even corroborate the evidence anymore. Like them kind of spinning some crazy out of control story about Rob Palenka being this devious evil fellow because he was, was he even making jokes or was he literally just saying, hey guys, where's magic? You know, you see how the tone there changes the narrative so quickly. We got a 1030 status call. Where's magic? And are we going to put it past magic for misinterpreting things or misinterpreting tone? I I don't think we should. And, And, you know, as more and more evidence has come out, I think it's clear that magic was the problem or, or one of the big reasons why things were falling apart. And in some respects, he was also probably most likely shackling Rob Palenka from doing his job because Rob, at the end of the day, also had to answer to magic, someone who was only there 20% of the time. So my biggest thing looking back on it, and, you know, I went on your show and we called Rob Palenka two-faced. I called him a prosperity gospel preacher who says one thing and does another. (laughs) So it's not like we were always on board with Rob Palenka. But the more and more I've taken a step back and realized, wait, hold on. Who's telling this story right now? It doesn't seem like Rob Palenka's caught up in wanting to save face or... He mentioned it in his presser, right? He's like, if I get caught up in trying to answer to every single criticism and accusation against me, that's a second off me trying to improve this team. Great answer. Great political answer by Rob Palenka. But you know who did? You know who did take every criticism and wanted to address it? Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) You had a mic drop. Mic drop bar back there talking about, you know, the actual evidence of who's to blame when you're looking at all of this. And the uh, once we exercised, you know, what the Lakers figureheads thought was probably the issue. It got a little quiet in uh, up there upstairs in Lakers land. We will probably get into like how he affected Kawhi and all that decision later or, or not or whatever. But, you know, it's um, it's interesting, right? Kind of going back and reading the history of how Rob became Rob the Snake. And we were right there sipping the Kool-Aid. Like, how dare you cut magic down? Right. <laughs> what have you done? And we were also to your point, they were talking about GMs not wanting to talk to Palinka. Right, right. They that they only wanted to talk to Magic Johnson. Um once again, I'd be a little irritated at that uh fact too, especially if Magic's out on his yacht for the summer for a whole month. Sorry, no service out here. Um, leave a message and I'll get back to you when I return. Why do you think they want to talk to Magic Johnson versus Rob Polinka? Even taking into account that, yeah, you know, maybe they've had bad dealings with him when he was an agent. But why do you think they want to talk to Magic first? Could it be because Magic Johnson's gullible? I don't know. <laughs> oh, just just oh, putting it out there. Um, but I kind of want to restir the conversation a little bit. We don't have to relitigate everything that happened. I think what I want to relitigate actually is... I want to get your thoughts on how Lakers Nation kind of responded to all of this. 
And it it's, hasn't been up until recently where Lakers fans or a majority of Lakers Twitter has been like, all right, all right, fine. <laughs> you know, Because at a certain point this summer, and I was almost so exhausted by it, and I wasn't even trying to stick up too fervently for Rob Polink. I was just like, can we just use some logic and common sense here? And for me, Lakers Twitter entered this realm past the point of no return, essentially, where all they saw was red when it came to Rob Polinka, right? Anything Rob Polinka did or said, drag him in the dirt. Mm-hmm. And it just got ridiculous to me. And I, and I think Lakers fans were the worst out of it. We re- really reached a, a max capacity level of just seeing red to the point where we could not accept any alternative explanations anymore that didn't fit the narrative that Polinka sucked and he was a cancer. He was a snake behind Magic Johnson's back. He was fumbling the coaching search with Tyron Liu. And he supposedly made an accounting error, not knowing ahead of time whether the Lakers could still open up max cap space to sign a star free agent after executing the Anthony Davis trade. All turned out to be okay to false accusations. Absolutely. Jonathan, especially door number three. And that you were talking about Lakers fans seeing red. I think that's when we started to turn the tide on how we felt about Mr. Palinka when, you know, it don't Lakers nation is not full of accounting majors. It didn't take 90 million capologists to see that there was the avenue to clearing up enough for max cap space. But we saw some what we felt like was some false reporting. And in in that happening, Rob Palinka kind of got some shade over his mm-hmm. name. Like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're not about to call Rob stupid because I know how to add myself. right and uh that i think is when we started to see that you know maybe rob isn't an issue maybe rob isn't you know incapable of having the position that he's that he has right now as lakers you know um general manager now the next step after that is what he has done in his signings right no, I wanted to jump in because I'm definitely that's exactly where I'm going with this. For me, at the end of the day, this summer was just so much was overblown. So little devil's advocate efforts were made to even try and suck ourselves out of this Lakers version of the upside down. At a certain point, I was just like, God damn, everyone, let's just breathe. It ain't that serious and dramatic. It especially ain't that serious or dramatic for the people you're demonizing because I'm pretty sure they're still going back to their families at night playing Uno with their kids or whatever the heck these rich people do, Watch, <laughs> watching Netflix, eating popcorn, watching Spider-Man Far From Home, just like the rest of us and living their lives. But as I said, the more things came to light, slowly the more information came out, the more we saw that Magic Johnson was kind of off his rocker and contradicting himself left and right with each new tidbit and statement he'd share, which wouldn't make any sense, making it clear that he was likely the main problem and Rob Palinka now can kind of, in peace and quiet, well, maybe not in peace and quiet, but he can kind of just put his head down and go to work. Mm-hmm. And every step along the way, the media tried to tear him down, and Lakers fans just ate all that up. And for the first time, Lakers fans were actually with the media. We all jumped on board and were like, let's get this man out of there. I also have an alternative explanation for the Ty Lue coaching search debacle. Yeah, hit me. And it's, it's not that much of a conspiracy theory. Actually, I think it's a very simple explanation that may just boil down to the Lakers just wanted to save money and they had strict hiring stipulations that they wanted their candidate to accept, just like any employer. 
Now, the NBA and basketball is different. You're dealing with guys with egos and pride and guys who've built up a name for themselves. Tyron Liu, championship player, championship coach, yada, yada. But if you strip all that away, what's so different about the Lakers saying, hey, buddy, so this is the criteria that we have for the guy we want to hire. It's three years. This is how much they're getting paid. It may or may not differ based off of the candidate and the resume, but this is what we're offering you. Take it or leave it. And Tyloo decided not to take it. So they moved on. I mean, Palinka said it himself. I don't think people wanted to believe it at the time, but he was like, we cast a wide net in our coaching search. And that proved to be true. We had Frank Vogel, who was, you know, considered to be an assistant coach, become the head coach. We had Jason Kidd, who was considered to be a head coaching candidate for some reason, become an assistant coach. Lionel Hollins was in contention to become a head coach. They made him an assistant coach. I believe them when they say they cast a wide net and they also just maybe weren't so desperate for Ty Lue. It's not like this guy is like prime Phil Jackson or Greg Popovich, right? So why can't the Lakers have high standards for themselves and just say, look, man, here's the deal for all of you guys. I don't care who you are. It's three years. Here's the money. Here's the assistant coach and Jason Kidd we want you to hire. I think that's the only angle where I'm like, why did they push so hard to get Kidd in there? But with the Costa Santa Tecumpo signing, maybe now we know. I mean, I just put that out there to say that it may have simply boiled down to the Lakers had standards and they were not going to budge. And whether they were right or wrong, it's their right to do that, you know? And if I'm Ty Lu and looking at the situation, there's no way that if the Lakers were going to pull off what they say they were going to pull off in building a super team, if I'm Ty Lu and I'm confident in my coaching skills, there's no way I'm not getting re-upped even before my contract ends in three years, you know? So for me, I, I kind of like that the Lakers are like, hey, let's get a coach who will accept our terms and is confident enough in themselves that they'll know that, you know, by year two, if things are going where we want them to go and going the right direction, we'll re-up them for three more years. So in, in my opinion, it's kind of Ty Lue's loss. He kind of played himself and the Lakers didn't budge in their stance. And I give them credit for not budging in their stance because like I said, look, Ty Lue has a great resume, has a great rapport with LeBron James, yada, yada, yada. But the Lakers simply had standards. Imagine that. Imagine the Lakers not groveling and chasing and asking for second meetings, a la LaMarcus Aldridge, right? And uh, <laughs> right. putting, like you said, their foot down saying, no, this is this is what we need right now. You check these boxes, but you don't check all the boxes where we're going to, you know, run after you. <laughs> Ty, Ty Lu, we like you. You know, we, we want you, dog. But, you know, LeBron has five or less years left in this league. You're not getting no five year, four year deal, right? Like, <laughs> right, it right. just, that's, that's what it came down to. And, you know, I, I 100% agree with all the points you made. I just think that Rob and the Lakers, you know, trust at that time, they had a bio. They had, um, you know, if we're going to keep over the swipe right tender, um, you know, theme that we're going with, they they knew what they were looking for. They had set criteria. Ty Lue just didn't check them all. So they swiped left. I went off. On my podcast about it, I thought literally <laughs> this was rock bottom for the Lakers that our number one oh, no, I did coaching I did target too, sure. was now out the door. And once again, Rob didn't say a word. Jeannie didn't say a word. 
Nobody said a word. And now that we're kind of out of all that turbulence, that that was okay. In fact, that was probably best to not have to explain yourself for literally every single thing that you do. Oh, wait, that person is uh, no longer with the <laughs> Lakers, but uh, I digress. No, and I mean, you know, for the people that are saying, well, the Lakers were not in any position to do that, to put their foot down. Sure, that's a totally fair argument. But, hey, we're not running the Lakers, and it turned out that, yeah, they just they just held their ground for whether that's right or wrong, whether they had the, the cachet at that point when everything had already gone down the tubes. They chose to establish, draw a line in the sand, and so far, I think they really are trying to change the culture of this organization. Now, that it's still scary with Rambus up there, but I don't know, I'm a lot more cautiously optimistic with Rob Palenka being able to actually do his job unshackled. This stuff happens all the time in front offices. It's just way more publicized and overblown because it's the Lakers, right? And you look over at the Charlotte Hornets and good old Mitch Kupchak, would you rather have played by the rules like Mitch Kupchak has done his whole life, giving Terry Rozier some 80 plus million contract? Or would you rather have sly and savvy Rob Palenka who may turn you off with his semi-sleazy arrogance, but at least is smart enough to know when and where to bend the rules to his advantage? So I have a list here of, you know, positive signs we've seen from Rob Palenka that kind of contradict what the media has been trying to sell to us, contradict what Lakers Twitter has been trying to put out there. First off, David Griffin went on a podcast with Adrian Wojnarowski, I think it was Woj, and he pretty much just said, hey, Rob Palenka, props to that guy. He was very respectful and professional throughout the discussions. And I mean, he went out of his way to say that, okay? So even talks about all these GMs hating Rob Palenka and having a sour relationship with him and not wanting to deal with him, David Griffin kind of stamped that out, you know? That's not to say that that applies to every GM, but I think it's very clear that at the very least, Rob Palenka can keep it professional, something that Magic Johnson couldn't do. And that kind of, whether you believe this or not, maybe that came back to bite us in the Kawhi Leonard discussions, even though Magic Johnson was an employee. Can I read his quote from uh, David Griffin's introduction of Brandon Ingram, uh, you know, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and the rest of their acquisitions? He took time out to actually, you know, pay respect to Rob. Uh, this is David Griffin, you know, in that intro press conference. Rob Palenka dealt with us in such a fair and direct way. The conversations were very honest, I felt. Everyone was in a mindful, uh, everyone was very mindful of the sensitivity involved in the situation. So I'd like to thank the Laker organization for representing the league in a very admirable way. There is zero reasons for David Griffin to give that type of love and a shout out to Rob Palenka beyond that he one Rob, you know, obviously did everything that David said, but two Rob did it in a way where it sounds like there is actually a bridge there <laughs> in this NBA and especially how it was portrayed that Rob Palenka was the hated agent that just shot his way to the top of the Lakers organization. Everybody wanted that job and he cut the line, right? That was the quote that, you know, um, some reporters mm -hmm. came out with. But for uh, people that actually work with him and are doing transactions with him to say these kind words, it's just more reinforcing that 
the things in the past, at least to me, seemed like a little bit more smoke than fire. And in present tense, we're starting to now maybe see some of the uh, the results of Palinka just keeping his head down and not talking to any of us (laughs) except for (laughs) official Lakers press conferences about any of the BS. So I'm impressed with David Griffin's quote. (laughs) So he's a smart dude. And uh, for him to say that, I think only speaks volumes to what Palinka's trying to do, at least with the Lakers. Absolutely. And, you know, I I mentioned it earlier, but even Rob Palinka's public comments where he was like, some reporter asked him, how do you respond to all the criticism, accusations, et cetera, et cetera. And he's just like, whether you think his comments were fake or too PC at the very least, you have to give him props for diffusing the situation and staying poised, something that we have lacked in this entire offseason with whatever the heck Magic Johnson was doing. You know, for one thing, he never publicly shamed or defamed Magic Johnson. You may think it's hokey that he took the high road and shoved it back into Magic Johnson's face, but he pretty much said he tunes all that out and tries not to waste his time focusing on trying to clear his name over every accusation because every second minute spent doing that is a second and minute not spent on helping better the team. And even Anthony Davis's comments, which by the way, Rob Palinka wasn't the one that said, I've been hitting up Anthony Davis all season. That, that came from Anthony Davis, okay? So even Anthony Davis's comments of saying, yo, Rob Palenka has been hitting me up every which way, even when I'm in movie theaters, asking me about acquisitions and who to get, which guy to sign, et cetera, et cetera. It's clear that this dude just wants to work, man. It's so funny to me now, the more I'm speaking about Rob Palenka, the more he reminds me of Kyle Kuzma and the way that Lakers Twitter tends to like get annoyed at Kyle Kuzma and how sort of, you know, he likes to show people up too much and, and pump himself up and maybe... He's a try hard, right? You know, he's a try hard. He's a little brown nose or a little bit, right? Exactly. And I feel like that's kind of how people feel about Rob Palinka. But in this scenario, thank God, right? We need somebody who can just do his work. And when it comes to reporters who want to start a fire, he's just like, sorry, this may be a vanilla answer, but let's put that out. <laughs> so I'm totally fine with it. I am too. I have no issues with how Rob is dodging the criticism right and really i guess to uh to summarize my my thoughts on the man you know you hit the nail on the head just let him work <laughs> i uh <laughs> i've kind of been and you know you brought up a little bit of my skeletons in my closet about uh kyle kuzma in the way that he has uh maneuvered his way to uh stay uh, safe after you know uh you know infinity war after the snap and everybody half the lakers roster is gone but if you were on the lakers if i was on the lakers we would do the same thing in trying to you know uh root ourselves with the franchise so i mean let rob work i've gotta let kyle work and however they maneuver and however they get down and want to you know either appeal to their bosses or cater to their needs or shake hands and kiss babies and say ridiculous quotes. That's well within the right. And I wish them all the success in the world. And I hope every other Lakers fan does too. Cause you know what? <laughs> we ain't got too much of a choice. Rob Palink is going to be here for the summer of 2021, where we're going to go through this all over again. 
AD's going to be, you know, AD's going to be a free agent this summer, but, you know, the Giannis's of the world. There's going to be a lot of chaos again soon. Rob Palenka's going to be at the helms. I would hope that we at least start thinking of him a little bit more optimistically is how I would summarize my thoughts on the man. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we've got about 10 minutes left. And in those last 10 minutes, I want to quickly hit on some of the positive items that he's done this summer. Starting with the obvious, he was able to execute the trade for Anthony Davis. You may nitpick and say that he overpaid, but we're in a much better position now, especially with the Clippers having gotten Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. We're in a better position now that we have Anthony Davis. Um, So there's that. There's Rob Palinka going after... Warriors assistant coach Ron Adams. You know, I really like the thought process behind that, going after the best of the best. Now, Ron Adams opted to stay with the Golden State Warriors in a consulting role, but just the process that he took to try and recruit someone of Ron Adams' caliber and stature was great. Some people are saying, if, he, if he's going after the best of the best, he should fire himself and they should get Bob Myers. I'm like, how is that realistic? No. Okay, so at least he went after Ron Adams. He hired Phil Handy, renowned player development coach, was just with the Raptors, just with Kawhi. Even the process there of hiring a guy like that to help our public perception moving forward with other free agents, other players that we trade for. Hiring a shooting coach, Mike Pember three. Hmm. Bringing Judy Sato back, even if we're looking at his relationships with some of his former clients, Avery Bradley used to be one of Rob Palinka's clients, and I have no doubt that part of the equation of him joining the Lakers was because he had a great relationship with Rob. And, And that goes for Andre Iguodala as well. If the Lakers end up signing Andre Iguodala out of all of this and he ends up getting bought out by the Memphis Grizzlies, Rob Palinka will play a huge part and role in the reason why Iguodala comes to the Lakers. LeBron James is the main reason why he'll do that, but Rob Palinka definitely helps nudge it over the edge, and that's a positive. Mm-hmm. And lastly, reestablishing a collaborative environment with his superstars, like I mentioned, with Anthony Davis, with LeBron James, bringing them into the fold. If anything, if you remember Magic Johnson's comments back then, he was annoyed that there were too many cooks in the kitchen. Remember when they first started this union together, they were saying how they wanted it to be an open-door policy, collaborative from top to bottom. It seemed like Magic Johnson was the one who wanted to close the doors on everyone else. Rob Palinka's kind of opening the doors again to everybody, you know? And you have to be encouraged by that. So let's quickly end with this. Okay, so he rebounded well with his Plan B non-Kawhi pivots, right? I think we can all agree that he built out the roster in a more intuitive way, and he has at the very least in Magic Johnson's absence, established a base level of competence for this organization. Mm-hmm. Fact. That is fact. But he didn't get Kawhi Leonard. That is also fact. Also a fact. Still a fail. <laughs> so having said that, I know there are some people who still like to use that against Rob Palenka and say, hey, he's still got a ton of work to do. He was maybe the deterrent of us not getting Kawhi Leonard. Your quick one-minute thought on that. Come on, guys. Now that the Kawhi Leonard stuff has all come out, they first said that Kawhi didn't want to meet with Rob. He met with Rob and Jeannie. 
And then he met and talked with uh, Magic. Guys, we are now fly swatting all of the old BS out the way, right? Um, Rob Palinka. Uh, he said he, the Lakers did everything that they could. He convinced or he helped talk to Anthony Davis and waving that $4 million trade kicker. If that's anything you should take from this Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes, it should be that the result of whatever, right? His involvement. AD waved that trade kicker because Rob instilled some level of confidence that they had a strong chance at signing him. Nobody had any control on where Kawhi Leonard was going to sign. (laughs) It was if the Clippers, what's reported, I guess, today, if the Clippers didn't, uh, if they didn't go and bring in another star, Kawhi may have gone to the Lakers. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Right. <laughs> but we do know that Rob Palinka did get the Lakers financially in a position to land Kawhi and a seat at the table face to face with him. I'm counting that as a, you know, job well done enough. Not mission accomplished, but you did what you could do. Yep. Great answer. I concur. And even if we boil it down to like the simplest of things, like getting a second round pick. Rob Palenka did it, everybody. He bought a second rounder when we thought that nobody wanted to deal with us, and it seemed like every other team but the Lakers could get a second rounder, and Rob pulled it out of his ass, paid that $2.5 million for Taylor Horton Tucker. So, I mean, at the very least, you have to give Rob props and dap for establishing, like I said, a base level of competence for the Lakers, which is something we haven't had in a while. So we're not extolling all of his praises and his virtues Because he still has a lot of work to do. He still has a lot of work to repair the Lakers' image and to continue to show that we are a fully functioning organization. And in spite of the fact that Kurt Rambis is there and Linda Rambis is there, that... Oh, God. You know, there's that whole nepotism going on. That in spite of all those things, he's at the helm, he's under control, so embrace the darkness, Robert Palinka, Palinka's Christ. (laughs) Lord Palinka... Palink show. Uh, I think that's all I got. Uh, Robbie P. I think we're good. He is literally RGM for the next two, three, four years. Who knows how long it's going to be. But at the very least, let's all be cautiously optimistic. And uh, yeah, I guess you guys now know where me and Ricky stand at the very least. So Ricky, thanks again for hopping on. It was a fun show. We, We touched upon a lot of topics. I apologize for being extra rambly tonight. Couldn't really get my thoughts together. But you know, so exhausted from this summer with all the hot takes flying around with regards to Rob Palenka when dude just wants to do his job, man. So let the man work. I think that's a good slogan and phrase to end the show with, right? Let the man work. Rob just wants us to go and drink some pina coladas this summer, these next two months, while he puts his head down and tries to build this franchise for the next 10 years. He didn't tell me that exactly, but that's what I think <laughs> he wants us all to do. So Absolutely. Well, Ricky, thanks for hopping on. Why don't you tell the folks where they can find you, your Twitter handle, your Lakers podcast show, and then let's send them off. Yes, sir. Uh, you guys can always find me on Twitter at Mr. Ricky Spanish. Um, my podcast, The Late Night Lake Show with my co-host, uh, Dan, we uh, we post every two weeks. 
that's how we get down. We like to talk about some off the cuff topics for our, our Lakers basketball. So when you're done listening to Lakers legacy, hop on over to us. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me on, man. Uh, it's always a pleasure. I love listening to your analogies. It's like poetry <laughs> over radio. So, oh, uh, appreciate you. it, bro. Absolutely. All right. We'll catch you later. Peace. Peace. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.